Amen. And he's washed us in the blood, but we've been washed into uh, the bloodstream of Emmanuel. All right, let's turn tonight, if you would, to Deuteronomy tonight, chapter 26, verse 1 through verse 11 tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1 through verse 11 tonight. And uh, I want to continue to preach a little bit about worship on Sunday night. And uh, Deuteronomy 26, verse 1 through verse 11 tonight. And uh, we'll find our text verse in verse 10. And it shall be when thou art come in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance and, a, and possesseth it and dwellest therein, that thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth, which thou shalt bring of thy land that the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall put it in a basket, and shall go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. Thou shalt go unto the priest that shall be in those days, and say unto him, I profess this day unto the Lord thy God, that I am coming to the country which the Lord swear unto our fathers for to give us. The priest shall take the basket out of, the, out of thy hand, and set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, A Syrian ready to perish was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few, and became there a nation great and mighty and populous. And the Egyptian evil entreated us and afflicted us and laid upon us hard bondage. And when we cried unto the Lord God of our fathers, the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with great terribleness and with signs and with wonders. And he hath brought us into this place and hath given us this land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey." And now, behold, I have brought the firstfruits of the land which thou, O Lord, hast given me, and thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God, and worship before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God hath given unto thee and unto thy house, thou and the Levite uh, and the stranger that is among you. Father, we thank you for the Word of God, this evening we thank you for this past week, Lord, and the daily blessings, Lord, that we receive. We thank you for today's blessings and being able to be gathered here tonight in your name with your Word. And uh, Father, we ask tonight the Holy Spirit would undertake our cause tonight, which is the cause of the Lord that uh, we desire tonight to lift up Jesus and Lord, that we might give Him praise and that we might worship our Father in heaven tonight. Lord, deal with those that are not saved, Lord. Help them to not go through life and then die one day and realize, Lord, the whole thing, Lord, it was just kind of playing a game. But Lord, if they don't know Jesus tonight, I pray You'd reveal that to them, that they don't know You, Lord. If they do know You tonight, I pray that, Lord, we might realize just how much as much as we humanly can, how much that we owe you in worship tonight and praise. Forgive me of my sins and failures. Strengthen me tonight in that inner man and help me tonight and I'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
This chapter tells of the offering of the first fruits. If you went to Exodus 23 and read verse 16 through verse 19, uh, you, would, you would get more detail on uh, this offering of first fruits. But it also tells us of a person who has come to worship here. Verse 10, it said, uh, uh, And thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God, and worship before the Lord thy God. So here's, here's someone that has come to worship the Lord. And that's what we're doing tonight. We've come to worship the Lord tonight. Now, we know tonight that this, this person here tonight that we're going to look at tonight, uh, we know that they're a true worshiper of God because it's in the Word of God. The Bible tells us they're coming to worship the Lord. They're coming to worship the Lord in the right way. And we know that John 4 and verse 23 over there, the Lord said, The hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now that tells us something tonight. That tells us if there is a true worshiper, then there must be a false worshiper. We don't have to go very far in the Bible to get an example of that. Uh, right there in Genesis chapter 4, the Bible tells us about Adam and Eve and how that uh, they bear some boys there. And the Bible said that Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground and offered unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the first and of his flock and of his fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wrought and his countenance failed. The Bible tells us there that there were two people out of the same home raised by the same parents. And yet there were two people here and they both came, if you will, to worship the Lord. One of them we know was a true worshiper. We know the Bible said that God had respect unto Abel and his offering. God received his offering. God accepted his offering. God accepted his worship. The other one we know is not a true worshiper for his name is Cain. And the Bible said that Cain came and he brought of the, uh, while Abel brought of the first one of his flock, the Bible said Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Now it doesn't even say that he brought the first fruits. It just says that he brought in process of time the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Now this tells me two things by the way of introduction about Worship. First of all, worship, true worship involves a lamb. And true worship involves blood. This tells me tonight, the Lord said amen to that, amen. This, this tells me tonight that false worship, false worship is a worship that has no lamb and a worship that has no blood. That's false worship. Now, humanly speaking, we might look at these two offerings tonight, and I'm positive that Cain's offering looked better. You say, what do you mean? Well, I think, a, I think a pretty head of lettuce and some nice red tomatoes and some big yellow squash, and I think a man knowing how to situate that like a 
produce counter in a grocery store, I think that he can make that look pretty good. On the other hand, uh, uh, there's nothing pretty about a bloody lamb. Uh, there's nothing pretty about a, a, a bloody little lamb laying there that's, that's throat's been cut, that's blood is everywhere. Nothing pretty about that. Now that tells me this, uh, that true religion is not always the prettiest. Amen. You see, just because it's pretty and because it might be more attractive to the eye does not mean that that is true worship. Amen. Matter of fact, true worship might not be much to look on as far as the outward appearance. Amen. But you know that the Bible said that God, uh, God looketh on the, man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. Amen. Uh, you see, man might pass by some uh, nice building, some humongous building, some uh, multi-million dollar building. Man might pass by and they might think, man, God, uh, uh, he must really like that place. Uh, and they might pass by a little old bitty place somewhere back off in nowhere uh, and say, I bet God don't even show up there. Uh, uh, but you see, God's not interested in the pretty. Uh, uh, God's not interested in the big and the beautiful. Uh, not in our day anyway. I read years ago in a paper uh, come out of Bowling Green years, years ago, and they built a new church down there. And they said we're going to have open house for our multi-million dollar building that we built. Uh, and it told all about the furnishings and all about it. Uh, and I remember reading that, Brother Richie, uh, uh, sitting there in my recliner. Uh, and I thought, boy, I bet God will be impressed with that. Amen. Uh, uh, you see, God that made the world. Uh, you think you can impress God with a building that man might make? Uh, uh, no, God don't get impressed about that. Uh, and so we have a false uh, uh, worshiper and we have a true worshiper. We have a another one there uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, you remember the story how that Elijah had been down by the brook Cherbeth there, uh, how that it dried up and God sent him over to the widow and then how that he'd been hiding there for about three years, three and a half years uh, and now he goes down to meet Ahab uh, and uh, beginning there in about verse 17 of chapter 18, uh, you can read how that Ahab came and he's just like the politicians of our day, many of them. Ahab came to Elijah and said, you're the one that's troubling Israel. In other words, he said, you're, you're the problem. You're the trouble. That's what they say about us Christians a lot of times. They say, we're the problem and we're the trouble. But the Bible said, this dear man of God, he said, I'm not the trouble. You're the trouble. And he called it. He said, let's find out who's really God. Let's find out uh, uh, who the true God is. Uh, and so they got 400 uh, prophets of, uh, of uh, Baal, 450 prophets of the grove, uh, and they brought them all up there to the top of a mountain there. Uh, and uh, he said, you sacrifice, you go first. Uh, let me say right here, there were 450 prophets of the grove, uh, 400, I think, prophets of Jezebel or vice versa. Anyway, there was 850 
there uh, at the false worshipers. Uh, as far as I know, Elijah was the only one there. That's why he said in the next chapter, Lord, I'm the only one. Uh, even though God said you got 7,000 just like you, but they wouldn't there that day, so he didn't know anything about it. So he thought he was the only one. So let me say, stop right there and say this. A large crowd does not always indicate true worship. Just because you see stadiums filled uh, and you look and you say, wow, look at the size of that crowd. God must really be in that. It could be, but not necessarily so. Uh, large crowds are not necessarily a pointer that it's true worship. Uh, on the other hand, small crowds uh, are not necessarily a true that God's not in it and it's not true worship. Uh, the Bible said where two uh, or three are gathered together in my name, uh, there I'll be in the midst. Uh, uh, so it don't have anything to do with crowds. Uh, the Bible said there in verse 25 where we begin our reading, And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourself, dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under it. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon. Let me stop right there and say this. The length of your service does not prove that it's true worship. You might go and stay all day and not worship God at all. On the other hand, you might go and you might be there ten minutes and have an experience of true worship with God. The Bible said there that they said they took the bullock which was given them, they dressed it, they called on the name of Baal from morning to evening until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and that leaped upon the altar which was made. Let me say this. Just because there's a lot of gymnastics going on does not mean it's true worship. Does not. Just because... The Bible said they cried, made a loud noise. Uh, doesn't mean it's true worship. The Bible says it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked him, made fun of him. He said, cry loud for he's a God. Either he's talking or he's pursuing or maybe he's gone on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they must have believed him because the Bible said they cried aloud and they cut themselves after their manner with knives and laces till the blood did gush out upon them. My, what a show they got going on. Uh, but guess what? God ain't in it. Guess what? It's not true worship. And the Bible said it came to pass when the midday was past. Uh, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice, nor answer, nor any that regarded false worshipers. Look at what happens when the true worshiper comes in verse 37. Of course, in verse 30 through verse 36, he prepares the altar, does everything right, does it according to the Word of God. You see, if you don't do things according to the Word of God, God ain't going to show up. 
The Bible said here in verse 37, they got it all fixed up. And of course, you know how they watered it down real, real good. They watered it down. And the Bible said in verse 37 that Elijah began to pray and he prayed a 63 word prayer and the Bible doesn't say he cried. It doesn't say he got loud. It doesn't say that at all. It just says he prayed a 63 word prayer and the fire of the Lord fell. You say, what's that mean? That means God accepted it. That means that was true worship to God. Amen. Now, look over in John 4. We was there last week, but we'll visit it again this week. In John 4, Jesus and the woman at the well, you know the story, so we won't go through all of it. But we come down to verse 21. Uh, let's start in verse 19. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive thou a prophet. Our father worshiped. In this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Watch it, you worship, ye know not what. Of. In other words, he's saying this woman's been worshiping and she don't even know what she's worshiping. Uh, did you know there's a lot of people like that in the world today? Uh, uh, they're worshiping in the morning, they're worshiping in the evening, they have different times of worship service, but they don't even know what they're worshiping tonight. Uh, so we want to look tonight and see who the true worshiper really is tonight. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 26, and I'll I'll go this fast I go. If you'll listen real fast, we'll both get done pretty quick and we'll go home. Amen. I want you to look here in verse 5 and 8. Deuteronomy 26, verse 5 through verse 8. And thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, A Syrian ready to perish was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few and became there a nation great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians evil entreated us and afflicted us and laid upon us hard bondage. And when we cried unto the Lord our fathers, the God of our fathers, the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. First of all, let me say, if you're taking notes tonight, a true worshiper is a person who has been redeemed. Amen. Who has been redeemed. Now, I would believe tonight, I believe this tonight, I believe that for the most part, a, a true worshiper would have to be somebody that's been saved. Amen. I believe that tonight. Listen, you might pray before you get saved and God might hear you. Some say He will, some say He won't. I, I, I don't know which side of the fence you're on on that. But you might pray uh, before you get saved uh, and uh, you might do that. I'll tell you what else you might do. You might praise Him before uh, you get saved. Uh, uh, you might in a carnal way praise God. Uh, in a carnal way you might lift up uh, praise to the Lord and thank Him for a raise or thank Him for a job or thank Him for this uh, or thank Him for that. Uh, 
But I'm telling you that I believe with all my heart, uh, even though you may pray, even though you may praise, uh, I don't believe there's a whole lot of worship going on in anybody's life uh, until they get saved uh, and are redeemed by the grace of God. Amen. Uh, you see, we have a picture here of a man. Uh, and this man is a true worshiper according to verse 10. And this man uh, is a man uh, that has been redeemed uh, uh, out of Egypt. We look at this tonight and the Bible talks about the place there in verse 5. And the Bible said this man was down in Egypt. Egypt's a type of the world. Amen. Uh, we know that when we look at the Bible and God talks about leaving Egypt and going out of Egypt, uh, we know that we know that that is a picture of this world. Amen. Uh, we know that when them uh, disciples were first called Christians at Antioch, Antioch, amen. You say, what's that got to do with anything? Uh, well, we know we know that the Bible, the King James Bible, uh, uh, we know that it didn't come out of manuscripts uh, from down in Alexander, Egypt. Other Bibles did, but it did not. Uh, uh, it did not. God uh, always steers us away from anything uh, uh, that come out of Egypt. Amen. And so we look at this man, and he's down there in Egypt, just like all of us. Uh, uh, we were all born into Egypt, if you will. We were all born into this world, if you will. And the Bible says that that's where he was. Uh, and the Bible said while he was down there, he was a prisoner. Verse 6, he said, The evil entreated us and laid upon us hard bondage. Amen. And so here's a man, he was down in Egypt. Here's a man that he's a prisoner. Did you know every lost person is a prisoner tonight? Amen. Every lost person is a prisoner tonight to their to sin and to Satan and to their own flesh. Amen. Every person is a prisoner tonight. Boy, it was a good day when I got saved and I could say with Paul, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Amen. There's a difference in being a prisoner of the devil and being a prisoner of the Lord. You see, I'm a love prisoner of the Lord. I don't want out. I don't want to leave. Amen. I love my warden. I love the one that's over me tonight. I don't want to leave. And so there he was. And the Bible said he's in a place called Egypt. The Bible said he's a prisoner and they ain't being treated right. Amen. How many knows the devil won't treat you right? Amen. The devil won't treat you right and God won't treat you wrong. Amen. Amen. You say, well, I'm not saved tonight. I got it pretty good. Devil's treating me pretty good. He just got you blinded. So all he's got. And uh, you may not realize it tonight, but you're a prisoner to him. Uh, how many knows tonight before they got saved, they was a prisoner to the devil. He'd say cuss and you'd cuss. Uh, he'd say drink and you'd drink. Uh, he'd say do this and you'd do it. Amen. Uh, uh, you was a prisoner to uh, the devil. Uh, but something good happened here. 
The Bible said here that he was down there. He wouldn't be treated right. And the Bible said, you know what I do when I'm not treated right? Uh, you know what I do, what you do when you ain't treated right? Uh, I cry, amen. Uh, I cry. And the Bible said this man down there, verse 7 said, he began to cry unto the Lord God of our fathers. Uh, and the Lord uh, heard his voice. Uh, Thank God, I'm glad uh, that one day at an altar of prayer uh, I began to cry to the Lord. Uh, and I'm glad He heard my voice. Amen. Uh, I'm glad He brought me up uh, out of Egypt. Amen. Uh, I'm glad He loosened my chains. Amen. Uh, I'm glad, thank God, uh, He didn't just lay claim on me. I thank God He loosened my chains tonight. Amen. Uh, and the things I used to be bound with, I'm not bound anymore. I'm not a prisoner prisoner to the devil anymore. I'm a prisoner to Jesus tonight and loving every minute of it. Amen. See the person there. But I want you to look in verse 1. And the Bible said it shall be when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. A true worshiper is not only one who has been redeemed, but a true worshiper is one that has been given an inheritance. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's right. You see, First Peter 1 and verse 4, well, verse 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope, not a dead hope, a lively hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Watch it. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. I'm glad tonight, thank God. I know I don't look like much. I know I ain't much. But I'm glad, thank God, I'm a child of a king. I'm glad Marla sung that song tonight because it went perfect with the message tonight. I'm a child of a king. I'm a child of a king. His royal blood now flows through my veins. Amen. I want you to know tonight, listen. I want you to know tonight that if there's an inheritance if there's an inheritance, somebody had to leave a will. Don't you believe that? Did you know Jesus Christ left a will? Look over the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. Let's read a little bit. Let's read it, verse 15. And for this cause, He is the mediator of the New Testament. Amen. That means will. He said that by means of death for the redemption of the transgression that were under the first testament. Oh, you mean there was another one. They which are called might receive the promise of inter eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, uh, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament or will is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Now that's talking about a will. I want you to know tonight there's some things about a will that we need to realize tonight. You say, 
What is it? Well, there's just some facts about a wheel. One thing, when we think about a wheel, we think about somebody has died. If they called you in the morning and said, won't you come in for the reading of the wheel? Somebody's died. Amen. Either that or they're living, they want to change the wheel. And I want you to hear about it. Alright. If there's a wheel, if there's a wheel, there ought to be something to inherit. That's right. Nobody has a wheel if they don't have anything. My dad, God bless his heart tonight, he's in heaven tonight, I believe. And my dad didn't have nothing. My dad didn't have a wheel. You say, why didn't your dad have a wheel? Didn't need one. Didn't have nothing. The night he died on a Sunday night, they called me. I'd been out there that morning before Sunday school because he wasn't well. I said, Dad, I'm going to Sunday school. I'm going to preach. I'll be back after preaching. I went back after preaching. And uh, we sat there by the bed and talked. And after a while, I said, Dad, i got to go preach tonight. I'll be back after church. Uh, and uh, I went back after church. He was uh, getting pretty sick as the day went on. Uh, and uh, I uh, sat there with him to about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Uh, and uh, he was kind of resting some. And I went over there. And uh, Brother Caleb went over there. And I leaned over my dad's bed. Uh, and I looked my dad in the face. And I said, Daddy... I said, I love you. And the last words he ever said to me, I love you too. About three hours later, the nurse called me and said, Brother Prophet, you need to come out here. Your father's passed away. Me and my older sister went out there and we stood around the bed for a while, wept for a while. And after a little while, we called the amulets to come and get the body. And after they come and got the body, we began to gather up everything he had there in that nursing home room. And we put everything my father had in a little cardboard box. About that long, about that wide. Why didn't he have a wheel? There was nothing to leave. There was nothing to leave. But you see, Jesus Christ had a wheel. Because there's plenty to leave. You see, because Jesus Christ, uh, the Bible said that He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And my preacher friend used to say he's giving me one hamburger at a time. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, he owns the gold. He said all the silver's mine. All the gold is mine. He owns the world and the fullness thereof. Uh, don't you believe? You better believe He's got something to leave. But see a wheel, even if a person's at sea and dies at sea, a spoken wheel will not work. There has to be some written form, some record on a piece of paper of the wheel. My father didn't have that because he had no wheel. Jesus Christ does. We have a written copy of of the will and testament of Jesus Christ. Amen. There is a written testament. And there's something else, you know. Every now and then, you know, folks will write a will and then maybe a child doesn't do like they want them to do or maybe a wife leaves or a husband leaves 
And so they go back uh, and they make another wheel. Now if they go back and make another wheel, that cancels out the first wheel. The only one that ever counts is the last wheel. The last wheel. Well, I want you to know that we have in the New Testament, we have the last wheel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, You see the Bible said over there in Hebrews, uh, it said for this cause he is the mediator, underline it, of the New Testament. A new wheel. Uh, You see, when Christ come, that old wheel, that old wheel that was under the law, that old wheel that was controlled by the law, uh, uh, when Jesus come, uh, uh, grace and truth came into play, uh, and uh, John and the prophets were until the time of the law, until the time of the law, but Jesus came full of grace and truth, amen, uh, and he wrote a brand new wheel. Listen to Matthew 26, uh, there they are at the Lord's Supper, and he said for this is my blood of the New Testament. Amen. Uh, it's a brand new will. Thank God. Uh, you know why some people ain't going to get nothing when they leave this life? Uh, because they're trying to get it under the old will. Uh, uh, they're trying to get it under the old setup, the old law, the old sacrifices, the old stuff. Uh, uh, no, sir. That one's done with. Uh, we got a new will now. Uh, and if you get anything from a God, uh, if you get anything from Jesus Christ, uh, uh, you'll have to operate under the new wheel uh, that operates under grace and truth thank God tonight Uh, can you say I'm glad I'm in the wheel amen you have to make sure it's the last one and then if you got a wheel it's got to be somebody to leave it to I read about folks that leave stuff to their dog or leave stuff to their cat or you know crazy things like that But you can't have a will if you don't have somebody to leave it to. Christ has got somebody to leave it to. Amen. He's left it to every believer. He's left it to His church. Amen. And so if you got a will, somebody has to die to make that will go into effect. Jesus died on the cross. And the moment He died that will came into effect. That's how come the thief on the other cross could get saved. And our Church of Christ friends will question that. How could he do that? Well, the reason he could do it is because he died before the thief did. Because the Bible said they came to Jesus, he's already dead, and they came to the thief and they broke his legs. You say, what's that mean? That means that Jesus Christ died before the thief did, and that will went into effect the minute he died. Amen. Amen. Well, if somebody dies, there's got to be somebody that to execute the will. There's got to be an executor. It's got to be over it. My mother had me as the executor over her will. There's got to be an executor. Jesus Christ is unique in this because He's the only one that could have a will that could die, that three days later could rise from the dead and be His own executor. Amen. I thank God you won't find anybody else like that. Amen. The Holy Spirit distributes the stuff out. Amen. Now, for a person to be in a will, it usually involves three things. Either your family. 
You have to be born into that family. If you're not born into that family, sometimes people will say a special friend. You have to be a friend. Sometimes if you're not born into the family and you're not a special friend, it's somebody that's been adopted into the family. Amen. I, can I tell you as a child of God, we qualify under all three. I, I've been born into the family of God. I, Jesus said I'm one of His friends. I, and thank God I've been adopted with the spirit of adoption tonight. Amen. I, now, I haven't checked this out, but they tell me, they tell me that a person that has been adopted cannot be cut out of the will. I'm not worried about being cut out of the will. What about you? Amen. When I think about that, I, I can't help but think about my old friend, Brother Ziegler. I think about him a lot. He made a great impact upon my life. No water in the flowers this week. And Brother Ziegler, he told this, and, and I've told it a hundred times, but I love it. It never gets old with me. But he said, Brother Eddie, in a day much different than the day we're living in now. Although the day we're living in now seems to be moving in that direction. But in a day when that when that you couldn't do what we've done tonight. You couldn't come to church. You couldn't have three services this week. You couldn't carry a Bible. You couldn't pray out in public. If you did, they'd arrest you. If you did, they'd imprison you. If you did, they'd take your children away from you. And it was on such a morning as that uh, that a young lady started on a Sunday morning down to her father's house uh, and uh, to church. Uh, and as she started the church that morning with her two little youngins there, uh, uh, she looked down the road uh, and she saw the dust beginning to boil. Uh, and she watched the closer they got. Uh, and she said, oh my. She said, that's bloody Mary's henchman. Uh, and if they come up to me, Brother David, she said, uh, uh, they'll ask me where I'm going. Uh, uh, they'll take my little children away from me. They'll put me in jail. Oh Lord, give me something to tell them. And about that time they pulled up by her and looked down at her and said, where are you going, Missy? She said, well, sir, my elder brother died. And I'm on my way to my father's house. And I have reason to believe that I'm going to receive part of the inheritance. Good day, Missy. Good day, Missy. But they got, I was preaching, I told that in a camp meeting up uh, in Camelsville, and there's a preacher there from West Virginia, an older, white-haired preacher was there, Brother Eddie, and when I got in, he come running and met me at the step, and he said, Preacher, where did you hear that story at? And I said, well, an old preacher from North Carolina told it to me. He's my friend. He's passed away. He said, well, he said, why didn't you tell it all? I, I said, sir, I told all I knew. I, I told everything he told me. I, he said, that story is absolutely true. He said, my pastor years and years ago, I, he brought that story back from over there. I, and he said, but preacher, you got to hear the rest of it. I, I said, please tell me. I want to know the rest of it. I, and he said, well, I, he said, later on that day, they got to thinking about what that 
little girl said. Uh, they got to thinking something don't sound right here. Uh, uh, they got to thinking something ain't right. There's something fishy here. Uh, and they went knocking on every door uh, in that little village. Uh, daylight till dusty dark. Uh, and finally they knocked on the door. Uh, and that little girl appeared there with her two little children. Uh, and they looked down at her. Uh, and they said, how'd the reading of the will go, Missy? Uh, she said, wonderful. He left me everything. Glory to God. Amen. I'm glad. Thank God. We're in the will. Amen. Hallelujah. We got an inheritance. We can worship because we're part of the inheritance. Thank God. Oh, brother, oh, brother Ziegler, I like to listen to him preach because he had a unique style of preaching. Someone told me that he preached like the old time Methodists used to preach. I don't know. He didn't have point one, point two, point three. He didn't have that. He'd just read a text or just read some scripture and start preaching. And uh, he'd often have illustrations that I'd never heard of before. And I heard him preaching and he gave this illustration. I've heard it since then. I've heard it in, a, in some songs and some things like that, but I didn't know anything about it back then. But by the fact that he knew it uh, and the fact that somebody else heard it and put it in a song, uh, it makes me think somewhere down back yonder a long ways ago there might have been some truth to it. And he told the story about an old man uh, and a woman that was married that had no children, but finally uh, God blessed them and she conceived and they, uh, they, they were going to have a, a child. Uh, uh, they were old in age and when they had the child there was problems. Uh, uh, there was problems. It was mentally challenged. Uh, its limbs were twisted. Uh, uh, it, it, didn't look, uh, uh, it didn't look like most newborn babies look. Uh, and the older it grew up, the worse it God. Uh, and the old man, that old woman, they loved that boy. Uh, they loved him. They they didn't care if he was ugly. They didn't care if he was twisted. Uh, they didn't care. That was their boy God gave them. And they loved that boy. Amen. Uh, and so they uh, had somebody come in. The old man was a lover of art. Uh, and he had somebody come in. Uh, and he wanted them to paint a picture of that boy. Uh, and so they paid top dollar. They paid big money to pay a picture of their twisted, uh, uh, consorted, uh, ugly son. Uh, and they paid high dollar. Uh, uh, they put that right up where everybody could see it when they come in. Uh, and in the process of time, the old man died. Uh, in the process of time, uh, uh, the wife died. Uh, in the process of time, the boy died. Uh, uh, they had an estate auction. Uh, they come from far near because of the collection that this man had uh, of fine art. Uh, uh, they came. They were from everywhere. They surrounded the auctioneer. Uh, and uh, when time come to start it, uh, the auctioneer walked over. Over, uh, and he got that picture of that ugly boy uh, and he set it up there uh, and uh, he said who will give me a bed uh, what will be my bed what do you give me uh, nobody had bet anything I mean who wants a picture of an ugly boy uh, and nobody had bet anything uh, uh, but he kept on who will give me something who will give me a dollar who will give me two dollars and finally one gentleman said look I'll give you a dollar he said just go ahead and 
and get this thing out of the way so we can get to the good stuff. And he said, who'll give me one? Who'll give me two? And that man said, I'll give you two. And he said, sold to the man for two dollars. The auctioneer walked over and sat down. He sat down there and he put his hands down like this. And he put his hands like this, his face in his hands. And they began to yell, come on, man, come on. We've come from a long ways. Come on and get this auction going. And the old auctioneer walked up there and he had tears running down both sides of his face. And he said, the will said, the will said, whoever gets the sun gets it all. Glory, glory, glory. Amen. I thank God. I'm glad if you get the sun, you'll get it all. Uh, there ain't nobody ever was marred and twisted like God's son was on the cross of Calvary. Uh, the Bible said his bester was marred more than any other, the Bible said. Uh, he had no form uh, or comeliness about him that when you seen him, he would desire him. Uh, uh, but listen, God loved that boy. Uh, and I'll tell you, God not only loved that boy, uh, God loves everybody else that loves his son. Amen. Uh, what do you think? It's a person with a who is a true worshiper? Somebody has been redeemed, been saved. Who is a true worshiper? Who is a true worshiper? Somebody that's been redeemed. It's somebody that is receiving a royal inheritance. You see, if, if we had time to go over to chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, we'd see that all of Israel's blessings are earthly blessings. Talks about their fields, their crops, their houses, their lands, all earthly blessings. But you see, God's put us a notch above. We not only get the we not only get earthly blessings, but our blessings are heavenly blessings. He hath made us to be seated in heavenly places. Our name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life in heaven. We have a new mansion, not down here, uh, but in our Father's house are many mansions, amen. Uh, not only do we have earthly blessings, uh, but far, far, far more important uh, than our earthly blessings are our spiritual blessings, amen. Uh, I want you to know you may never own anything down here. You may live in a tent on the side of the road, uh, but I want you to know if you're in Christ, thank God, uh, uh, you're, a, you're a child of a king. Uh, uh, you're going to have riches in heaven thank God glory glory yes sir alright look at verse 2 back in Deuteronomy 26 verse 2 the Bible said that thou shall take of the first of all the fruits of the earth which thou shall bring of the land that the Lord thy God giveth thee Thou shalt put it in a basket. A true worshiper is a person, are you listening, who has received a basket full of blessings from the Lord. I like that verse. Blessed be the Lord God who daily loadeth us with benefits. Psalm 68 and verse 19. Most, most companies now, their benefits ain't worth having. Amen. When I first started at the factory where I worked for 23 years, they had great benefits. 
I think when my first boy was born, I wound up paying two dollars and so many odd cents is all that I owed. Which reminds me, I need to pay that. Amen. But look, look, God's benefits. Somebody said, preacher, you got any benefits? How's your retirement? Uh, preacher, you got any benefits? I said, I got a real good benefit package. Amen. I, it's out of this world, thank God. I'm glad that I got a benefit package. Uh, you say, you got any death insurance? I don't need it. I got life insurance. Amen. I, I thank God I've been saved by the grace of God. I got a place to go when this life is over. Amen. Let me give you three things and we'll be done. A person who has received a basket of blessings. I'm talking about a true worshiper. The reason for true worship is found in verse 8. And the Lord brought us forth up out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with outstretched arms and with great terribleness and with signs and with wonders. You say, preacher, that's talking about when God brought them through the Red Sea and brought them through Egypt. Yes, you're right, it is. It is. That's what he's talking about. But you see what this is saying. He knows the reason for all them baskets of blessings. He knows the reasons the Lord God. He said, the Lord brought us. The Lord brought us. I remember one time working the factory, an old boy come in, he's filling out an application. He'd got on and he sat down there by me. And I, I remember just so plain that he sat down there and he said, well, I got, I got on here. I said, did you know somebody? Did somebody put in a word for you? And he said, no, blankety blank, blank, put anything in for me. I done it all my blankety blank self. I got it all my blankety blank self. He said, I don't owe nobody nothing. Let me ask you a question there, sir. So I don't want I don't get nothing free. Nobody gives anything free in this life. You have to work for everything. I said, sir, would you mind telling me where you paid for the air you breathed so far this morning? Amen. I said, sir, would you let me know where you went to pay your heart bill that's beating inside of you and pumping blood through your body? I said, sir, I'm telling you, everything we have is of the Lord. I, and I like that song Bill sings, I can't even walk without Him holding my hand. I, that's the right kind of attitude to have about the Lord. Amen. I, you see a true worshiper, they know they didn't do it themselves. They know it ain't their smarts, it ain't their education. They know they didn't do it themselves. They know God has blessed them. Amen. I, God has blessed them. And they want to thank Him for it. You see, he knows that. Look at verse 10. He says, O Lord, and now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which thou, O Lord God, what did it say? Has given me. Whatever you got, God's give it, for, give it to you. Have you thanked Him for it? If you got, uh, you got preoccupied with the goodness of God that's done what He's done for you, and you probably ain't done one thing. But if you had done everything you ought to do, you still wouldn't deserve it. 
God just gave it to you because He's a good God. Amen. So they, the recognition of where it came from, God gave it to me. Somebody said, I always knew I was going to get old. I just didn't know it was going to happen this fast. Kind of way it is, ain't it? Yeah. But one thing I've noticed about getting older as a child of God, one thing I've noticed is as a child of God getting older, you begin to thank God for things you never did used to even think about. You get up in the morning and swing your feet out on the floor and say, thank God my legs are moving. You go to the table, sit down and drink coffee and eat something. And you just been around some folks that couldn't keep nothing down. You say, thank God I can eat what I want. Thank God I, I can drink something. Thank God I can feel. Amen. Thank God. Yeah, if you really love the Lord walking close, you'll automatically become thankful the older you get. That's right. I promise you that. You start thanking God for your wife. Be sitting over there, look at your wife sitting there, and know somebody's done had ten, or 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 somebody that's wife has passed away. You look over there and you say, Lord, thank you for letting me keep my wife. Thank you, Lord. Your children come in or call and you hang that phone up and you say, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for letting them live another day. I know you can take them any time you want. You might take them today, Lord. But thank you for letting them live another day. Yes, you just become so much more thankful because you recognize where all these blessings come from. And then, as a true worshiper there in verse 10, verse 11, he said, And thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God hath given thee. A true worshiper will rejoice. That's right. Amen. Because God is Good to him. Amen. Old Job lost it all, didn't he? He said, Job, your kids are gone. Job, your farm's gone. Job, your houses are gone. And old Job, he began to shave his head and began to take his clothes off, put sackcloth and ashes on. I see the devil standing over in the shadows somewhere and say, we got him now. He's, fix, he's fixing to curse God right now and die. And old Job said, naked came, out, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all heaven got silent. You say, why? That's the purest form of worship that there is in this world is when you've lost it all. You can still, when your heart's ripped in two, 
when you don't know where you're going. But you can say, the Lord giveth, <laughs> and the Lord taketh away. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, I thank you tonight for the Word of God.